Good morning. How's everybody doing? Great. Hey, my name's Ty. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an absolute joy to be with you. I guess I should say Happy New Year because some of you, uh, some of us were here on the first, almost made like condemning mo- uh, uh, mention of like, hey, you weren't here last Sunday. It's cool. It's cool. But anyway, hey, Happy New Year if I haven't seen you, right? Okay, cool. Anyway, hey, I got a few announcements before we get started, uh, and then we'll get into our message. Announcement number one is we have a baptism class on January 15th. Uh, maybe you're uh, like you've followed Jesus here recently, you've uh, decided to trust Jesus, or maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've got some kiddos that are kind of at that age, they're asking questions about Jesus and what that means to be a Christian or whatever that may look like. Uh, this is the class for you. So go ahead and scan that third QR code in the seat back in front of you and sign up for our baptism class. It's for uh, boys, girls, men and women, old and young. So don't miss out on that opportunity to learn more about baptism. And then on the 16th, our, uh, one of our cohorts called Refuge starts. Uh, I, I, wanted, I heard a woohoo back there. Uh, I want to say this about Refuge. It is one of our flagship ministries here at Grace Point Church. We've run, I don't know, six or seven sessions of, of Refuge and just seen so much life change from that. And when you guys hear about Refuge, you think, well, it's for people who are addicted to things or whatever, and I'm not that. Uh, it's more than that. It really is some deep discipleship uh, where... Um, Women get to invest in women's lives and men get to invest in men's lives. And you really get to see God do a lot of work, uh, a lot of work from our sin, our sin patterns, our habits, our hangups, our hurts, our wounds, our weaknesses, our weariness, our family of origin stuff and all that. And it's pretty intense. So for some of you, you've been hearing about refuge for a while now and you're like, ah, I'll do it next time it comes out. Stop doing that. <laughs> Just go ahead and sign up for it today because it starts on the 16th. You'll see that QR code in front of you again to sign up for that. And then uh, our next announcement is, if you were with us at the end of last year, we decided we were going to have this giving campaign called Beyond 2022, and uh, we were trying to raise $100,000 for a goal of every dollar leaving Grace Point Church and going to our overseas partners. Well, uh, funny thing is, we call it Beyond 2022 because we're going to go beyond 2022, and we're going to keep going in 2023. And here's the reason why. is the way the holidays fell on the Sundays, it made it kind of hard for us to, uh, to kind of focus on that. So we're going to expand it for the rest uh, or extend it for the rest of the month. And so if you want to give to this cause, it would be great. You'll notice over there on that wall, you see the big piece of art. It's got magnets on there with different amounts. You don't have to give that amount. Just take one of the magnets. That way you can scan the QR code, give, and then you can take the magnet home. It's a great reminder to be praying for our overseas partners. So don't miss that opportunity. You'll hear about over the next couple of weeks. Go ahead and do that today. And then lastly, uh, Grace Point Church, we have a senior pastor here. Uh, and uh, our senior pastor here at Grace Point Church, his name is? That's right, Jesus. Under Jesus, our senior pastor, we have a team of pastors, a plurality of elders. And so uh, we're going ahead and opening that back up. So if you want to put yourself forward as a potential candidate to be a pastor, to be an elder at Grace Point Church, this is your opportunity. You'll take and get one of these sheets from Centerpoint. You'll read over what all is involved in there. You will put yourself forward. It's about a two-year process. It's really kind of a two-years to three-year process. But if that is you, go ahead and make yourself available for that. Sound good? Okay. Uh, let's get, I feel like you guys need to get warmed up. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I am going to say a word and I want you to tell me what comes to mind when I say a word, a phrase or name or something like that. You're going to say out loud what comes to your mind. Here's the only caveat. Be nice. <laughs> if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. You ready? <laughs> this will be fun. All right. We'll start easy. Jesus. Will Smith. Slap. What, what did the five fingers say to the face? Slap. <laughs> the government, or as my dad would say, government. 
Ah, easy. Inflation. Right on. Bitcoin. Kardashian. <laughs> Missionary. All right. Missionary. Well, today we're beginning a brand new series called Everyday Missionary. And typically when we hear the word missionary, we have two thoughts. Typically we have these two thoughts. Thought number one is this. Missionaries are elite special force Christians. Like they are the top of the top. Uh, They're special forces. They can give answers to about their faith. They can defend their faith. That's the first thought we have. The second thought we have when it comes to missionary is this. They go to far off places. So when we think about missionary, we think about elite Christians and we, uh, we think about people going to far off places. But the problem is when you have those two thoughts about the word missionary, they rarely describe us. Am I right? They rarely describe us. We don't see ourselves as super elite special forces Christians, do we? And that's probably a good thing. I would say that's a good thing. And we don't see ourselves selling everything that we have and moving ourselves or our spouse or families overseas to a far off land. And for that reason, we do not see ourselves as missionaries. And that is an issue. That is a problem. Am I right? Well, don't agree with me yet. We'll see. (laughs) But if you are a Christian, you are a missionary. That is right. Some of you are like, well, I don't like that. Like, hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying what the greatest missionary who's ever lived has said. And his name is? Jesus. Jesus. This is not our text, but if you look what Jesus says, Jesus is praying in John chapter 17. And as he's praying, he's talking to the Father. He says, as you, as the Father has sent me, Jesus, into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Who is the them? If you are a follower, disciple, a Christian of Jesus then that is us as well. You are a missionary. The greatest missionary ever has told us that we are missionaries as well. You think about the greatest missionary ever, Jesus, God in the flesh. He comes to us from heaven to earth. He leaves the presence of angels to come down here with us into the presence of sinners to reconcile us to God, to to love us, to care for us, and to bring us Life And so he is the greatest missionary ever. And so after the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he ascended back to the right hand of the Father, and he's left this mission to who? To us. To us. We're, we're, we're called to pick up where he left off. And so missionary work is not work that just happens by the elite Christians in faraway lands. No, missionary work ha- happens by everyday people in everyday situations. We don't have to go to a far-off land, in which we can, We just need to walk across the street, walk through the office, walk across the classroom. We are called to be missionaries. So how do we do that? What does it look like? How do we fit it in our very busy schedules? Well, that's what we're going to look at over the next seven weeks. But before we get into the how do we live as missionaries, I think we need to answer the very important question of why. What is the why behind us being missionaries? Or what is the why behind Jesus being a missionary? Well, if we were to answer quickly, the why behind Jesus being a missionary is so he could come and save us. And you would know that and answer that, am I right? But when I say Jesus came to save us, that is becoming a bit of white noise to us because we can rattle those Jesus answers off left and right, can't we? 
And so sometimes when it becomes white noise, when it becomes routine, we need to hear it in a different way. And one of the greatest ways to hear something to kind of jar and rattle us is to hear it through a story. And so today I want to look at this story. So if you've got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend our time today, Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible here at Grace Point Church, uh, you're going to need your Bible. We lead, teach, and preach from the Bible. We want to give you a Bible. We have them in English and Spanish up here at these two tables and at Center Point as well. Please grab one. It's our free gift to you. Also, if you have a smartphone, uh, there's an app called YouVersion. You can download that, click events, Grace Point Church will pop up, and like all my notes are there. So you'll have all my notes, and you could just literally walk out right now and be like, I don't need to hear any of this. I can just read it. <laughs> I will be slightly offended because I spent many hours putting this together, but that's up to you. You, you, you do you. Uh, and, and, and by the way, if you're new to Grace Point Church and like we are your New Year's resolution, we just want you to say, uh, we want to want you to hear, welcome. We are glad that you're here. And maybe today you say, hey, I'm not a Christian or anything like that. I'm just here. Someone brought me here. I'm being held hostage right now. Blink twice if it's you. Um, I gotta, you know, just, or I'm just here. I don't know why. I'm just trying to figure some stuff out. This is a great time to be here, especially in the text today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. A little bit of background of what's going on. Uh, we see Dr. Luke uh, Luke wrote this gospel. He was a doctor. He was also uh, like charged or paid uh, to be a historian. He was a great historian, very exact kind of guy there to, to investigate Jesus, his life, death, burial, resurrection, and all that. And so uh, it's a very exact, detailed man. So when you look at the uh, Luke, the first two chapters, which we went through during the Advent season, you see it's all about the birth of Jesus. Jesus coming, it's beautiful, uh, just to kind of read through that. And then when you look through chapter 3 and chapter 4, you see the early ministry of Jesus, where he starts teaching in the synagogues, and he starts to heal people, and word begins to spread. Then when you get to chapter 5, is where we're going to be today, he starts to assemble his team. And let me tell you what, this guy goes out and gets the best of the best and the cream of the crop. Am I right? No, he didn't. <laughs> he did. He got people like you and I. And I'm not, I don't mean that offensively to you, but I do, I do kind of sort of. Anyway, he, he got people like us. And so um, in chapter five, you see him have this interaction with uh, Peter and James and John, the son of Zebedee. And so what Jesus was doing, he was kind of like on a shore. You got to kind of picture this. He's on a shore. Imagine you're at Lake Las Vegas. He's on a shore right there. And he's trying to teach people. And people are just gathering around and kind of pushing up against him. And uh, it's probably bad for the acoustics. It's bad for him to kind of project. And so there's a problem there. But then he sees Peter and them with their boat. He's like, hey, uh, can I get on your boat? And we'll push out a little bit. And that way I can kind of stand afar from the people. People will sit down and I will teach them. And they're like, sure, let's do that. So he gets out on the boat. He teaches all the people. And then when it's over, they all kind of disperse. And he starts talking to Peter. He says, hey, Peter, um, why don't you guys take your net and throw it out over there? And I could only imagine Peter's like, uh, Peter's like, you know, he's been fishing all of his life and Jesus by trade is a carpenter and he's probably in his mind, this is speculation, thinking, hey, Jesus, stay in your lane. I'm a, I'm a fisherman. I, I know what I'm doing here. But nonetheless, he complies and he's like, look, Jesus, we've been fishing all night long. Nothing's biting. Like, it's just not going to work. Jesus is like, nah, just, just throw it out over there. And so he throws it out over there. And all of a sudden, the fish is swimming to the net. And then they start to haul it in. It starts to sink the boat. And like this, this, this crazy scene happens to where like there's so many fish. And Peter has this revelation. Peter has this epiphany of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus is just not some average guy that knows how to fish. No, he's much more than that. He begins to see this, I think, this holiness of, uh, of Jesus because Jesus is God. And he essentially looks at Jesus and says, get away from me. 
I, I, I'm an unclean man, or get away from me, I am a sinner. What he's basically saying to Jesus in that moment, he's like, you are clean, I am dirty, I can't be near you. And then Jesus has a very interesting response. Jesus says this, look at the first part of Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Jesus looks to Peter and says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. That probably sounded really weird back then. You know, you've been in church long enough, you're like, I know what that means. And it's not just men, he means like humans, men and women, boys and girls. He means, he means like you're going to be a missionary. You're going to go out and like you saw those fish jump into the net, which he knew that God, Jesus had made that happen. He's like, no, you're going to be doing that as well, that people are going to be coming to you and you're going to catch them for Christ is what he's saying. You're going to be fisher of men. You're going to be a missionary. Now, is that just for them right there? Is that for all of us? All of us. Now, look at their response. Verse 11. And when they brought in their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Jesus calls his followers to be missionaries. But that's not my point. This past five minutes was not my point at all. Yet, I want to share the story of what he does after this. I, I don't want us to hear, go be a missionary in your everyday life without the why. We need the why. Why do we need the why to be a missionary? Because if we don't have the why to be a missionary, we will never do it. That's probably why most of us have never really done it before. We've never really shared our faith or told people about Jesus or invited people to church or anything like that because we don't have the why. Or we'll do it and we'll hate it. It's like, well, it's just what I'm supposed to do. And we'll absolutely hate it and we'll actually be terrible at it. So we need the why. And so Jesus has this interaction. This is a true, real interaction that Jesus has with someone. And I think it explains the why Jesus came. So go to verse 12, and we're going to look at the first little uh, parts of it. Verse 12. While he was in, this is Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Okay, uh, leprosy, it's in the Bible, but we really don't see a lot of it now. We really don't think through it. But what, it, what is leprosy? I think it'd be helpful for us to understand what it is. Leprosy is a skin condition where you get these red, open, like really painful sores all over your body, super painful, uh, a lot of discomfort in that. Uh, when you had those open sores, when you had leprosy, you couldn't bathe because water in those open sores would just be a nightmare. So not only do you have open sores, but you probably start smelling really bad as well. Uh, over time, if you have leprosy really bad, you ended up developing nerve damage to where you uh, cannot feel pain. Uh, and you're like, oh, that sounds great. It's not. I mean, imagine you're standing by a fire and the guy's like, hey, 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 your foot's on fire. Like, no, it's not. And like, oh, no, my foot's on fire. And so they said a lot of times in that time period when people would have leprosy, like they would hit their hand, you know, with a hammer or whatever, not think much about it because they didn't feel the pain. And then later on, it would rot off. And so they would lose their digits. They would lose some limbs. It was a bad deal because of the nerve damage right there. Not only are you facing this debilitating disease as well, now, in that time period, people thought that when you had leprosy, you were cursed by God. And so you're in pain, uh, you're hurting, you're smelly, uh, people are not coming around you a whole lot, and they also, they think that you're, uh, you are cursed by God. I want, you to, I want you to put yourself in that situation. Imagine if you wake up one day, and you see that red sore, and you're like, oh my gosh, I have leprosy. Or you look at your spouse and you're like, oh my gosh, imagine, imagine if they had leprosy. Or you look at one of your kids, you're like, oh my gosh, they, they have leprosy. I mean, that's a, that's a tragic 
tragic thing right here. You're one of your best friends or whatever. One, one day you're healthy, and the next day you are not. And in that time period, when you got leprosy, you had to be quarantined. You had to leave your home. You had to leave your family. You had to leave your town. You had to leave your city. You would have to leave your spouse. You would have to leave your children. You would have to leave your friends. You have to leave your, your parents. At that time, you couldn't go to the store. You couldn't be around anyone else. Couldn't even go to a store. You couldn't even go to the temple. That means you, you were locked out, kind of away from God and away from God's people. You had to live, as the Bible says, outside the camp. That meant you were exiled. You were an outsider at this moment. You couldn't even get a job because no one wanted to work with you. Why? Because you had leprosy and it was contagious. And uh, people thought you, 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 know, you could give it to them and that you would smell really bad and all that. You usually had to de uh, depend on friends or family to go basically drop supplies for you and then run away. And then you had to come out and get your supplies away from them. So you're hurting. You're isolated. You're an outsider. You're alone. And you smell. I, I, I want to I look at the Bible, of what the Bible says about leprosy as well. I want to make sure we get a very clear picture of this. And so uh, flip over to Leviticus. We'll be in Leviticus a while. I know you got up this morning like, man, I hope we get into some Leviticus today. <laughs> like, man, I'm jazzed about some Leviticus. And some of you are like, you know, maybe you're not, you don't know what, uh, you're like, Leviticus, what is that like? Uh, is that a plant? Like, what is that, a fish? I don't know. It's a book in the Bible. Leviticus 13, verse 45. I really want you to, to see this picture because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's astonishing. Verse 45, you there? You're like, Leviticus, I've never read that one before. Whew. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, meaning people will identify you because your clothes will be all ripped up, and let the hair of his head hang loose, meaning you look really disheveled, like you've not, never run a comb through that thing before, and he shall cover his upper lip. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to walk around like the mustache or anything like that. That means you're going to have your hand over your face like this the whole time, okay? Cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. You know, hear that word over and over, unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You have to walk down the street and identify yourself as unclean by the way you look and even by your sound. You're walking around the rest of your life as long as you have this disease with your hand over your mouth screaming, unclean, unclean, unclean. That's your identity now. It's even said in ancient writing that when people had leprosy and they'd see someone coming with their uh, clothes torn and their hair disheveled and they're going unclean, unclean, that uh, they would have rocks in their pockets ready to chuck rocks at them to make sure they don't, come, they don't come too close to them. I mean, this is horrific. Can, can you feel that for just a moment? If that were you, if that were a loved one, can you feel how lonely and how disturbing and just how awful and rejected you would feel. All right, go back to Luke 5. We'll come back to Leviticus in just a moment. Luke 5, keep your finger there. Luke 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Now, uh, the guy was full of leprosy. He's in the city. Is he supposed to be in the city? And the answer is no, he's not. He's supposed to be outside. And so he is doing something he should not be doing. He's in, in the city. Now, Luke, uh, his occupation was what again? Doctor. And so he says that he's full of leprosy. 
Do you know what that means? That means he has leprosy from head to toe on his scalp, on his face, on his nose, on his eyelids, under his armpits, on his chest, privates, legs, toes, everywhere with open sores. And so now he goes into the city. I'm sure people are booing and hissing at him, chucking rocks at him. Why in the world would someone subject themselves to that? Why would they come into the city and get all that rejection, rocks thrown at them, people scorning them and hating them? Why? Look back at verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell, fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He came into the city because he's looking for Jesus. Apparently, he caught word of Jesus, that Jesus is teaching, Jesus is loving, Jesus is caring, Jesus is healing. He comes to Jesus and he drops down. He falls on his face. Uh, can you imagine how painful that would be to fall down on your face when you're covered in sores? Like, I got a bum knee right now, and like, when I drop something, I just look at it and make that cost evaluation. Like, nah, not worth it anymore. I'm like, <laughs> try, to, try to kick it up against the wall and pry it up a little. Like, nah, that's not worth it. But anyway, he falls down. Pain. Why would he do that? Because this is his only hope. Apart from Jesus doing something or what he's heard about Jesus, he has no hope. It takes a miracle to, clean, to, 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 uh, to cure leprosy. He has no hope whatsoever. And so he looks to Jesus and he asks the question, Lord, if you will, if you will, you can. It's like you can make me clean. Now, we have to pause and ask the question from that question. Why does he ask him to make him clean? That's not the right word, is it? No, he sh what should he be asking? Will you heal me? He but he doesn't ask heal. Why? In light of this in interaction, I'm going to say a phrase, and I want you to think about this phrase. And this phrase could be right. It could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. But I want to say this phrase, and I want you to mull on this phrase and think about this phrase because it's really important. Being clean is more important than being healed, especially from this interaction right here. That's essentially what, what Peter said to Jesus when, when he figured out, Jesus, you're holy, and Jesus, you're God. He essentially says, you're clean and I'm dirty. Or if you know the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there's a scene where Isaiah uh, has kind of like this vision of God. And what does Isaiah say when he sees this, this majestic God? What does he say? He says, woe is me, I am what? A man of what? Unclean lips. And I'm, I'm around a bunch of unclean people as well. It's more important to be clean than it is healed. Some of you, maybe you have some disease, maybe you have some kind of cancer, maybe you have some, something going on. Like, no, I, I want to be healed. Don't forget about the resurrection, people. When the resurrection, glorification happens, we get a new body. Or, or well, let me say it better. We get our body perfected. So being clean is more important. Hold, hold that. I'll come back. But the leper says right here, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Verse 13, what's Jesus going to do? And Jesus stretched out his hand, touching him, saying, I will be clean. No, he doesn't say be healed. He says, be clean. And immediately what happened? The leprosy left him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did Jesus do? He touched him. What are you not supposed to do? 
Not supposed to touch him. Uh, speculation. This man, if he's full of leprosy, he's had it for a long time, years, maybe decades. He probably hasn't felt the touch of another, another human being in a long time. Uh, child psychologists will say that if you uh, leave a child alone and receives no touch, eventually they, they, they'll just die. Like we're created for human touch and Jesus touched them. Everyone's been running from this man, chucking rocks at him and all that. But what does Jesus do? Jesus goes towards him. Jesus reaches out to him. Jesus touches him. The greatest fear of every human being at that time period was to get leprosy. Why? They didn't want to be alone. They didn't want to be unclean. They didn't want to be put out. And Jesus touched them. Jesus, being God in the flesh, could have like stood back and be like, be clean. <laughs> could have. I mean, he spoke everything into existence. Like He could have, but what does he do? He leans in and says, no, no, no. Touch it. Be clean. Why? That's just how Jesus rolls. That's how Jesus is. In the middle of everyone, people are seeing this. Jesus touches the leper. That's what Jesus does. He goes to the unclean and makes them clean. Don't forget that. Jesus goes to the unclean. He doesn't get dirty by touching. Mm -mm. He doesn't become unclean by touching. No, the leper becomes clean. And it says right here in the text, immediately the leprosy left him. Could you imagine standing there and seeing that? This guy's covered from head to toe, sores all over his face, all over him, and they're oozing. They're really gross, cracking open. It's dry and look. All of a sudden, they just start to dry up. All of a sudden, his skin restores. Speculation, maybe he lost some digits along the way or a limb. I don't know if that came back or he just had a nub. I don't know, but like everything becomes healed right here. And then when Jesus does this, he says something really, really odd. And if you read the Gospels, Jesus is always saying some wild stuff, am I right? He does, I love it. He says some odd things. Look at verse 14, this is what he says. And he charged him, the man he just healed, uh, cleansed to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Basically, Jesus says, hey, don't tell anybody what I did, which is like, no, <laughs> like, like telling everybody, like, sorry, Jesus, I'm not going to obey this one. Everyone has to know. Plus, when they look at you, they're going to see like, hey, uh, wait a minute, you're, you're not all like gross anymore. Like you're, you're, you're like normal now. Like uh, there's no way he's keeping it to himself. But Jesus instructs him to go to the priest and show what happened, and to make an offering for his cleansing, just like Moses said, which would be the law. What is this all about? Well, when he's referring to Moses, he's referring to the first five books of the Bible. He's referring to the law of God right here. And so uh, we need to figure out what is he talking about. So go back to Leviticus chapter 14. I, I like how Jesus does this too. Jesus heals him and, and, and by, by his grace and then tells him to be obedient to the Scriptures. We're not saved by obedience to the scriptures, but we're saved so we can be obedient to the scriptures. Isn't that cool? I think there's a little, little picture of that right there. Leviticus 14, verse 1. Now, I bet you guys are just like itching this morning, like, oh, I hope we get in some Leviticus. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. And so the priest uh, at that time period was kind of the intercessor between man and God. Uh, and they, were, they kind of played like a doctor role a little bit too, of like inspecting people to make sure they were clean. Uh, verse three, and the priest shall go out of the camp, because remember they can't be in the camp, the leprous. And the priest shall look at the leprous person. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and a cedar wood and a scarlet yarn and hyssop. So uh, two live birds, got it? This is very important. Two live birds, verse five. 
And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. One bird dies over a bowl of water. The clean water, I think, is showing that God, by his grace, he's the one that cleans us. I think that's what it's showing. So we have one live bird and now one dead bird. Got it? Verse 6. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of his leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and he shall let the living bird go into the open field. So you have a dead bird and a live bird. What does that remind you of? Any Old Testament people in here? What does it remind you of? Yep, 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 that's right. The scapegoat. Uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Remember that? Heard of that? You have two goats. One of the goats, you, uh, they would say the sins of Israel over it and send it off. That way it's removing the sin from you. One of the goats, they'd kill it, and that would, that would forgive you of your sin. It's expiation, propitiation. Anybody? Cool, cool, cool. Okay, uh, so one bird dies for the sin. The other bird takes away the sin. Does that, does that sound like anybody? It does. Verse 8. I love the Old Testament. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. So he uh, gets to wash all the stink off, wash his clothes, shave, and he kinda, he's kind of back in gin pop, uh, but not completely yet. He's got to let the seven-day general population, for those who didn't know what that meant, I don't know from experience, but. <laughs> Verse 9. And on the seventh day, so he's clean up and all that. On the seventh day, so after seven days have passed, he shaves off all his hair from his head, his beard and his eyebrows. That's just funny. <laughs> he shaves off. I'm sorry. And he shaves off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. So there's another washing, another shaving, eyebrows and all. Why? Why all this washing? Why all this shaving? It's great symbolism there. It's this idea that you are brand new again. The idea is that you are like a baby. The idea is this, that you, it's like you've been born again. Sound familiar? This is Old Testament stuff right here. It's like you've been born again. Imagine what that would have been like for this leprous person. You, you get to be around your family again. You get to be back into society again. You get to be around your loved ones again. If you're married, you get to grab a hold of your spouse and kiss on your spouse and do what married people do again. Like if you have children, you're like, you get to go play games with them and put them on your shoulders and swing them around and all those kind of fun things with them. If you've got friends, you get to hang out with your friends and eat meals with your friends and crack jokes with your friends. You get to do all that stuff again. And you get to go back to the temple together and worship the Lord together. Could you imagine the joy that someone would feel being put back into life like that again? Outsider, now they become an insider. It kind of feels like he was dead and now he's alive. That's the feeling you get here. Now, not finished with Leviticus 14. I'll tell you a little bit more what happens in there. In Leviticus 14, if you keep reading on there, the priest after the eight, on the eighth day, because he's not finished with this leprous person yet, on the eighth day, I'll summarize, you get three goats. Uh, they got to be uh, spotless without a blemish. Sound like anybody? 
okay, or, or three lambs, sorry, uh, spotless without a blemish. And the priest would sacrifice, and the priest would do something very, very interesting. The priest would take blood and take the leper's person, and uh, they would dip their thumb in the blood and put it on their earlobe, dip their thumb in the blood, put it on their thumb, dip their blood, the, blood, the thumb in the blood, and put it on their big toe. So the leper's person has it on their ear, their thumb, their big toe. Why? What does it mean? Well, some could say, well, that means he's forgiven and cleansed from head to toe. Sounds good, but I don't think that's it. Here's what it means. On the ear means this. You are clean and belong to God. Listen to him. On the thumb. You are clean and belong to God. Serve him. On the toe. You are clean and belong to God. Walk with him. When the person with leprosy is made clean, they are restored back into what they originally were designed to do and be. That, that's the point. We are originally, as every human being, I don't care what you believe here, it doesn't matter. Every human being, by default, is created to be in this relationship, to belong to God, and to listen to Him, to serve Him, and to walk with Him. Every person, that's why. That is the why, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to live for us, to die for us, to, to resurrect for us. That way we could be put back in a relationship with God so we can listen to him. We can hear his voice and that we can serve him with everything that we have and that we can walk with him. That is the why. This is the mission of God. It's to restore these relationships so humans can live the way they were created to live, to listen to God, to serve God, and to walk with God. He came to make us clean. Now, please hear me when I say clean. Clean doesn't mean morally clean, like, oh, this is, this is just church talk. I'm supposed to clean my life up and then God will love me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about your morality. I'm talking about your position, your station with God, that you are to be clean. And the only one who can make us clean is? And when we're clean, it gives us the opportunity to listen to God, to serve God, and to walk with God because that's what we were created to do. That's what clean means. Some of you hear this, you're like, well, this is great to hear. I really like this story, but I'm not a leper. <laughs> I don't have sores and this disease. My skin is clear. I don't live outside the camp. I live inside the camp. And, you know, I, I, can, I don't have leprosy so bad or I have nerve damage. When I hit my thumb with a hammer, it hurts. And I say bad word because that's what you do when you hit your hand. Like, no, I'm not a leper. Jesus will take physical things at times and make great spiritual points with it. You ever notice that about Jesus? He'll take everyday physical things and he'll make great spiritual points. And when you look at the uh, Old Testament, leprosy basically is uh, sometimes used as an analogy or basically, uh, yeah, an analogy for sin. The leopard person is the sinful person, is what you see over and over in the Old Testament. And when you look at leprosy and sin, the condition is about the same, right? I mean, like you think, you kind of the same condition. Uh, leprosy would separate you from God because you can no longer go to the temple. Well, sin separates you from God, am I right? Leprosy was contagious. Sin is contagious. Someone ever caused you to sin? You ever caused someone to sin? Uh, let me answer that for you. Yes. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, leprosy was isolating. You couldn't be around anyone. Is sin isolating? You better believe it. Uh, leprosy is painful. It'll make you sick. Sin is painful. It'll make you sick. You ever been sin sick before? It's, ho it's horrible. Leprosy would cause you to be numb. Or you couldn't feel anything. Sin 
causes you to be numb to where you cannot feel the things of God. Leprosy, you couldn't clean yourself on your own, right? Nothing you could do to clean yourself. God had to do something. Same thing with sin. We can't cleanse ourselves from sin. Only God can do something. Leprosy was a condition that's very deep. Sin is a condition that's very deep. There's no cure outside of God doing something for leprosy. There's no cure outside of God doing something for our sin. Leprosy eventually led to death. Sin will lead us to death. Do you see what's going on here? See, you and I might not be infected with physical leprosy, but believe you me, we are infected with spiritual leprosy, each and every one of us, the whole world. The world is just one ginormous leopard colony is what it really is, and nothing but lepers all around us. And Jesus came to touch, to cleanse lepers. And that's a beautiful thing about Jesus. He is so pure and so clean and so holy. When he comes and touches the leopard, he doesn't get dirty. Like the, 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 his cleanliness cannot get dirty. It's so powerful. He's the one that makes us clean. And so Jesus comes to the unclean. This is the why. Now, if you're a Christian, this is the condition before Jesus touched you. You were unclean before you came to know Christ. I really don't have to convince you on that. You know that, right? You remember, you remember what life was like before you knew Jesus? <laughs> you were, some of you are like, oh, I remember. The thoughts you had, the things you said, the way you acted, the terrible things you did. If you were to pause right now and think about what life was like before Jesus, you would probably use words like this. Dirty, disgusting, filthy, gross, vile. Even look back on life sometimes, you think about it wasn't even really what I did at times, it's what other people did to me. You think about people have hurt you, neglected you, abused you, spoken lies about you. How would you describe that? What words would you use? You would use gross, dirty, filthy, vile, unclean. Just like the leper, there was a point in our life, if you're a Christian today, that we came to Jesus, we fell before his feet, and we begged him, Jesus, make me clean. Maybe we didn't use those words or not, but we say, clean me, please. Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember the moment or the time or the period or the, or, or, or the season to where you met Jesus? L- let me, we forget. Let me read this over you one more time. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched you saying, I will be clean. Christian, you are clean. Jesus has made you clean. That's, that's why if you ever read the book of Revelation, what color are they wearing? What color are the robes in Revelation? Why? What does white represent? Clean. You are clean. Even if you don't feel like it right now, because some of you, when you hear this, that you are clean, you're like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm clean. I don't feel clean. The things I do, I feel disgusted. I feel gross. I feel dirty. I don't feel clean. If that's you, I got a big question for you. Ready? I really want you to answer this question. You ready? Will you submit your feelings to the Word of God? Will you? Like feelings are real, feelings are good, feelings are amazing, but will we submit those to the Word of God? God. See, it's really hard for us to believe God and what God says about us, Christian, if we're listening to the world and everyone else around us. And it drowns out the voice of God to where we no longer can hear what he says about himself and what he says about us. 
And so if you're listening to every other voice besides God, of course you feel dirty. Of course you feel disgusting. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy and the world wants to get you focused on one thing. And this one thing, it gets you sidetracked. This one thing, it gets you all messed up. This one thing will get you so distracted. You know what that one thing is? It's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. Or whoever's next. Don't care. The one thing the world wants to get you focused on, you know what it is? You. You. That's it. The enemy wants you focused on you and, and, and just like all your time and attention on you about how you're not good enough and how you're not, your, your habits are not that good right now. 2022 is hard. And some of us, we ended 2022, uh, how should I say this? A little fluffier than, than we began it. And you get to 2023. Listen, listen, this, I'm not even kidding. You're, you're just beating yourself up over it. And you're like, oh, look at myself. I'm disgusting. I'm dirty. Do you hear the words you're saying? And like, oh, my habits aren't good. I don't have my quiet time enough. And that's just an interesting quote right there. And I feel out of sync and out of tune and all these things. What are you doing? You're just focusing on yourself. And I think, pardon my French on this, that Satan's laughing his butt off right now. It's not French. It's Latin. Anyway. You know what we need more of? You're going to hate this. We need indifference to self. Just need to be indifferent with ourselves. I don't mean self-hating. I don't mean anything like, we just need to care a little bit less about ourselves. Well, I mean, we are just so focused. What if we're like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to focus on Jesus, other people, and then I'll get on my, you know, I'll focus on myself later on. We're so worried about our needs, our wants. We're so worried about hitting the next level of Christianity. I hate that kind of language. We're so worried about all that stuff. Stop focusing on yourself. Robert Machine, uh, Murray Machine said this, We've said this a million times around here. For every look at yourself, what? Take 10 looks at Christ. Stop focusing on yourself. We worry like no one in this world is concerned about us, so we have to be concerned for ourselves. Do you not believe that God is concerned for you? Do you not believe that God is watching out for you? That God is going to take care of you? That God, he's going to sustain you? He's going to see you to the end? We are working like we've got to see ourselves to the end. no. He will see us to the end. This is the good news of why Jesus came. And if God is so concerned for you, then that changes all of our focus. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, You probably know it if you've been around a while. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek him first and his righteousness. So that means focus upon that. Look upon that. And then what will happen? And these things will be added to you. Since when you seek God in his kingdom, he will tell you who you are. And you will know who you are. And you're like, no, mm -mm, I don't believe it, Ty. I don't, I, no, I am this. You'll start giving all these, I, I, I'm an addict. I'm dirty. I'm a loser. I'm a pervert. I'm not good enough. I'm whatever. Hey, who told you that? Where'd you hear that from? Give me names. Who, to, who told you you were a loser? Who told you you're not good enough? Who told you all these things? So you're listening to the wrong voice. I got 20 of them. <laughs> and no time, but I got 20 of them and there's, there's hundreds more. Let me tell you what God says about you. And these are I am statements. I am washed and sanctified and justified by the blood of Jesus. I am regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit. I am forgiven of the penalty of my sin. I am born again to a living hope. I am united with Christ through his death and resurrection. I am a child of God. Listen to me. If you missed last week, uh, Pastor Tim, go back and listen to it. 
Super good. I am a child of God. I am in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, you can't get out of Christ Jesus. I am a saint. Did you hear that? Make people call you Saint Bill now or whatever your name is. <laughs> I am one with God the Father and Jesus the Son. I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. You know what that means? You're in the will. Can't be taken out. I am set free by the truth. I am eternally secure in Christ. I'm eternally secure in Christ. I am now reconciled to God. I am free from the power of sin. I am baptized in Christ and have clothed myself with Christ. I am part of the holy family, partakers of the heavenly calling. You're part of this wild bunch right here. It's great. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a fellow citizen with the saints in the household. I know I will be freed from the presence of sin when I am glorified. Did you hear that? Your glorification isn't now. Man, we are so focused on being glorified right now. The older we get, the more... uh, Easy. (laughs) The, um, the more modifying of our bodies we do, that's better, uh, and acting like this, this is the only chance we get at it. Do you not know that, that when Christ returns and our, our bodies will be glorified? I'm not saying run that thing ragged to the ground, but kind of, sort of, run that thing ragged to the ground. Like, take care of your body, but you know what I'm saying. Christian, you are clean, That means you belong to God and you're in a right relationship with God to where you can listen to him. You can serve him. You can walk with him. You're no longer an outsider. Isn't that good news? Does that not bubble up some joy and some, does that not bubble up some relief of like, ah, I am these things. Can you feel that just a little bit right now? Give me a little nod if you can. Listen, listen. There's an outside world that needs that. What you have, if you're in Christ, there's an outside world that needs it. And Jesus is physically not here any longer. So whose responsibility is that? They need, they need, they need that too. They need to be clean as well. They need, they need a forgiver. They need a lover of their soul. That's what we're all about. And that's why Jesus said in Luke 5.10, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. How do we do that? That's what we'll be looking at for the next six weeks. If you don't know Jesus, your soul, you're not clean as the Bible says. You're not in connection. You're not in relationship to where you can listen, serve, and walk with him. Hey, don't leave today without trusting Jesus. Let one of us know. Go to prayer point. Let's, let's talk about this. Don't leave today. I want to pray for us. Let's go to the Lord's table together. Father, thank you for your um, amazing love. That you love us uh, with a, a love that just can't be removed. Nothing we can do to shake you. God, we, um, we see ourselves sinful and with a, a sin leprosy that we can't clean on our own, but yet, Jesus, you come to us and you are the two birds. You died so we may be forgiven, washed in your blood. So our past, present, future sins are forgiven and you're the one that our sins were spoken over and set free to where our sin is removed from us. The stain and the penalty of that. So Jesus, we're just so grateful for you. May we listen more to you about what you say about us than anyone else, even our own thoughts, even our families, our friends, the society and culture and world around us, the enemy himself. May we just not listen to that garbage anymore. May we hear that we are your beloved, that we are whole, that we are saints, that we're complete in you. Would you let that wash over us today? And Father, also, I know this. We are called to be fisher of men and women. 
I know there are men and women here that do not know you. God, draw them into your net today. I pray that you would save people today. All this for your good, your glory, our joy, and for the good of the world around us. Teach us and show us and charge us to be missionaries. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.